everybody, it's Kai. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Corner Office Podcast. This month on the pod, all our guests are going to be people running charities and nonprofits. Last week, we talked to the CEO of Habitat for Humanity. This week, we've got Claire Babineau-Fontenot. She's the CEO of Feeding America, the second biggest charity in the country, using a pretty huge network of food banks and volunteers and meal programs and more to feed more than 40 million people every year and also to try to end the massive problem of hunger in this economy. We talked to Ms. Babineau-Fontenot, who took over the nonprofit last year after 13 years on the leadership team at Walmart. Claire, thanks for coming in. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. When you are out and about and people say, Claire, what do you do? Uh, And you say, I I run Feeding America. They say, what's that, right? Yeah. Well, the good news is um, they're more inclined to have a sense of what I do now than when I used to tell them I was a tax lawyer. But... (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, say more about that. I mean, you 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 are a product of corporate America, who now is running a ginormous uh, nonprofit social services agency. That's exactly right. So, um, I um, grew up as a lawyer and uh, did uh, engaged in various ways using that law license, um, including having worked in government and big four accounting. Um, I was in a major law firm, well, major by Louisiana standards, <laughs> well, um, and I was uh, also an executive at uh, at Fortune One. So, did all of those things. Mm-hmm. Always had a passion for people. I say I have a a heart for people and a head for numbers. And the role that I have right now allows me to access both of them at one time. And you have an enormous challenge. Give us a sense, would you, of the scope of what it is that you're trying to do. Absolutely. So um, our vision is a hunger-free America, and we've got a ways to go to get there, but I'm optimistic about um, the likelihood that we will. So um, right now in the United States, um, according to the USDA, about 37 million people do not have consistent access to a nutritious mix of food. Um, Hmm. That's a problem. Um, it's especially challenging when I also have other statistics in my head, like the fact that about 72 billion pounds of perfectly edible food, not counting household waste, goes to landfills. Um, I think we could do some better matching of those two things, Kai. Yeah, I, I think we probably could. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But uh, but I do want to address the the fundamental challenge that you have, which is that hunger is an acute situation, right? I need to feed my kids today. But also, yes. if you want uh, a hunger-free America, you are trying to treat a chronic problem. Yes, that's that is correct. And and at the inse- uh, inception of our movement, we focused almost all of our energy on the feeding side of things. Right. Now um, we've evolved our strategy to include some really nuanced, complex issues um, to addressing what are the systemic issues that. Uh, result in people being food insecure, and how might we um, find ways to help them on a path outside of food insecurity? It's not our objective, in other mm-hmm. words, that people rely upon charitable food. Um, yeah. We'd prefer that they have other resources. Well, so until we get to the other resources, how do you do what you do, right? How do you take care of of the challenge uh, that you face? Well, first off, you get lots of help. 
So um, if you'll indulge, maybe it's a good time for me to yeah. talk about what our network is. So yeah, um, I, I'm the CEO of the national um, office, which is called Feeding America. And then um, around the United States, there are 200 food banks all around the U.S., um, 60,000 agencies that we partner with as well, and over 2 million volunteers. So we have a vast network of committed people who are focused on um, feeding people who face food insecurity. Um, among those people are people who are practiced and skilled in research, hmm. um, in applied research, in fact. Um, so we have the ability to deeply understand uh, the people that we serve. Um, we can pilot best practices, uh, we can learn from those best practices, and then we can scale them. So it's that whole infrastructure, which, uh, thank heaven, relies on way more people than I. Um, that's the way that we go about our work. Yeah, it sounds really, uh, it sounds really corporate. I read somewhere you're, you're um, extremely data-driven. I am. I am. I can hear the uh, smile. I can hear the smile in your voice. <laughs> I laugh because I don't know how often in a day I say, and what does the data wow. say? Huh. Uh, when I was in corporate America, um, I was the executive vice president of finance for an organization. So definitely data-driven. And I think that that's important in this work because um, there are a lot of people in lots of organizations, in fact, um, that have the best of intentions. I think that people facing hunger deserve to have people who care about them, um, but who also will use data to inform the best practices and methodologies, um, make certain that we have reason to believe what we think or what we believe to be true, and then uh, put ourselves in the best position to scale the things that, that work. So um, absolutely, I am unapologetically data-driven. What was it like um, coming from from the corporate world to nonprofit America? You know, I in many ways I found it similar. The same recipes for success I think hold in in the nonprofit space. Um, and then there there are a few important ways that I have found it to be a bit different. So um, on the ways that it's similar, um, I found that organizations that care about the people who work within it, uh, that care enough to understand the individuals working on teams that are introspective about knowing what each individual contributes and then coming up with complementary skill sets to to make certain that you have the very best diverse teams um, working on problems. Those are the organizations um, that tend to do well. Mm. Organizations that measure the things that matter the most tend to move the things that matter the most. Those are the organizations mm. that tend to do well. So those are the things that, that I find to be highly consistent. Um, and with Feeding America and, and the way that it does its work and the other work that I've done in corporate America. Um, but the thing that makes people come to work is a little different, yeah. I find. Yeah. Um I've never been affiliated with more mission-driven human beings in my life. Um, so in my organization, we don't tend to compete with other organizations based upon how much money you'll make 
for instance. Uh, people don't sign up for nonprofit roles because they have an aspiration to make the very most money that they could possibly make. Um, they tend to, to sign up to do this work because uh, doing good really, really matters to them deeply. Um, and, and part of my responsibility is, is to remind all of us, including myself, of why it is that we're here um, and to make certain that we're working on the things that we have reason to believe will make an impact for people facing hunger. And I have found that to be a really persuasive methodology, both to energize myself, but also to energize the other members of mm-hmm. the team as well. Is it easier to do your work uh, and to make your organization work, I suppose, uh, when economic times are, are good or relatively good? And, and if so, how much are you worried about the current state of the economy? Yeah, interestingly enough, it's, it often is more challenging when people perceive that the economy is doing well. Yeah. Um, if there's a, a public perception that the economy is doing well, there's also a public perception that we have to offset uh, to begin yeah. with, which is that there aren't very many people right. who are hun- facing hunger in America. People don't think America when they think hunger. They think distant shores. So we already have that hurdle. If you compound that hurdle with a perception that everything's going well, uh, then people don't feel there's a need um, and therefore they're not out there trying to find ways to be helpful. So it actually has the reverse implication hmm. for the work that we do. So one of the reasons that I get so excited about an opportunity like this one is because it's it's a vehicle that, that could be used to help to make certain that people are thinking about um, that that's an awfully big number, 37 yeah. million people do not have consistent access to nutritious food in this country. So raising awareness is a really big part of my job. It, it's almost um, defeating, right? I mean, clearly you've decided that you're good with that and, and you will keep going. But the scale of the problem is is tremendous. It is. You're right. It's a, it's a big, hairy issue. However, um, we're already making progress. And, and we have, um, did I mention data? We have a lot of data, um, a lot of data that helps us to understand. So what are the best pathways forward? So, um, for example, if I use that number, that's a terrible number, 37 million um, people. But that number used to be a lot higher. Um, In fact, 37 million represents the first time since the beginning of the recession that we've gotten back to this number. Mm -hmm. Uh, There have been moments in time when Feeding America fed 46.5 million people. So um, it's true. It's a big issue. Uh, It's true. It's nuanced and it's complex. However, it's solvable. And we are finding pathways to solve this issue. And we do it one person at a time, one meal at a time, one opportunity at a time. Um, Surely you've heard that old expression when they ask, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. Um, I am not daunted by this work. I'm I'm energized and I'm optimistic. um, And um, and I have all of these green shoots that cause me to be to be so. Claire Babineau-Fontenot, she is the CEO of um, Feeding America. Claire, thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for yours. That's it for my conversation with Claire Babineau-Fontenot. We'll have another episode for you in a couple of weeks, so please subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Corner Office podcast is produced by Bridget Bodner. This episode by Andy Corbin. Marketplace is produced by Nancy Vargali. Sitar Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. 
Deborah Clark is the Senior Vice President and General Manager. I'm Kai Rizdal. We'll see you next time.